mother's instruction is to be heeded. Now, the proverb also, to be fair, says a father's instruction is to be heeded, and, but this is Mother's Day. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and it's a general word, a word that is often associated in Scripture with the idea of discipline, the enforcement of discipline with that instruction. And then it goes on, and forsake not your mother's teaching. This is the word Torah. Today on the Songtime broadcast, we continue in our week-long presentation of wisdom as seen through the instruction of a mother. Dr. Tarek Thomas talks about the importance of the wisdom that mothers give us in training us to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But first, we'll continue our conversation with Rob Reno as we talk about how a church can, can raise up families to make a strong home as well as a strong church in the community. The many voices are coming together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. Earlier in this year, we were studying the book of Ephesians. When we looked at Ephesians chapter 4, I mentioned that this is a passage that teaches us that my job is to work myself out of a job, both as a pastor and as a minister here at Songtime. My job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. And that's why what follows chapter 4 goes right into some practical applications. So what do you think that uh, Paul is instructing the church in Ephesus to do, but to, to focus in on the most crucial unit, the family, to instruct the family and the husbands to love their wives, the wives to honor their husbands, and the children to honor their parents. All of this is is that first unit of the family that is so crucial to what we have in the church. A church ought to be emphasizing the importance of families, and that is what our guest is emphasizing this week. We're joined once again by Dr. Rob Reno, who's the author of of a great book called Visionary Church, How Your Church Can Strengthen Families. Rob, this is crucial. This is really what we want to do as pastors and ministry leaders. We want strong families because strong families make a strong church. Yeah. In a lot of churches today, there's a great emphasis on small groups. Yeah. And I think small groups are great. Uh, we're in a small group ourselves. So please don't hear this as anti-small group. Um, but, but you know, the pastor will, he'll plead with folks to get into one of these small groups. We need to do life together. Discipleship happens in real relationships. We have to be an authentic community. And, and God believes in discipleship small groups too. He just has another name for them. He calls them families where people are going to do life together, mm-hmm. where they are going to be in real relationships. And if you're looking for authentic community, I guarantee if you go home and close the door, you will find authentic community. Now, it may not be good authentic, <laughs> but it is authentic. And, and, and God created your family as a discipleship small group. Mm-hmm. And it's an incredible thing that, that he did. Look at this. You see, all the real junk in our hearts comes out at home. It comes out under the intensity of the family relationships. You and I are going to have this wonderful conversation today. I doubt either one of us will lose our temper at all, right? We're going to get, we could probably talk all day without losing our temper, but, but could I get through all day at home without becoming impatient? I'll give myself 50, 50 on that. Right. But so God created the family where all the junk in our heart comes out with the people he created and called to love us unconditionally and stick with us. Man, it's a great plan, but we've lost that vision. 
I think that's part of the reason why we want to have a separate group of, or, or a Christian group or a small group outside of the family because we feel like we've already compromised the home in some way with our uh, temper tantrums, our, our character really coming out, uh, and, and we almost need that other group so that we can feel good about ourselves again. Yeah, and again, this is not anti-small group. Those small groups with yeah. our brothers and sisters in Christ can be powerful, but I think you're absolutely right. I think that God's uh, original plan for our central discipleship small group, our family, so oftentimes is not working. It's like we're not getting the meal, so we're, we're cramming the vitamins as best we can. Hmm. Now, you mentioned that you started off as a youth pastor in youth ministry. A lot of cases where we are sending our kids to a church to get what they should be getting at home. I'm curious to hear about um, what your perspective is on that, because it does seem that for churches providing programs and ministries, which we want to do, they can also, in many cases, become counterintuitive. Yeah, no doubt about it. So we we do live in this um, age, and I think we're coming out of it because of the work of the Holy Spirit here, but of, of delegation parenting, right? We just want to drop our kids off at the experts for them to teach them piano, basketball, Jesus, or whatever. And, and as a youth pastor, see, this was critical to my kind of repentance and, and reformation. So God convicts me that I need to be this primary spiritual shepherd of my own children. And then I'm like, oh my goodness, well, if the Bible says I'm supposed to shepherd my kids, then the Bible says all the other parents at our church are supposed to shepherd their kids. And I've been telling them to drop them off to me and I'll take care of it. Now, I never said it quite that crassly, but like you said, there's, a, there's implicit things that are set up in our system. So that sent me down this journey of family ministry. What would it look like for the church to equip parents to be the primary spiritual trainers of their children in the home. Let me give you the very first thing. Now, after we spent about a year working through the theology of this at our church and, and talking about how to care for our own leaders, the very first thing we ever did, uh, we used to, we did this in children's ministry. It used to be that if you picked up your third grader from Sunday school, we'd give you a piece of paper and it said, uh, today in Sunday school, we talked about prayer. Here was the scripture. If you're a good mom or dad, you'll go home and you'll talk to your kid about these three questions. And I didn't say if you're a good mom or dad, but, but that was now the, <laughs> the spirit, the spirit of that paper was so good, right? We're just trying to engage the family. The theology of the paper was terrible. Mm -hmm. The theology was the Sunday school is the primary trainer and the parent is the reinforcer. The parent picks up the scraps. Well, we're like, that's upside down and backwards. Mom and dad's supposed to be first and we're supposed to reinforce. So here's all we did. We took next week's paper and we sent it home this week. And up at the top of the paper, it said, take the lead. Next week in Sunday school, we're going to talk about prayer. Here's the scripture we're going to look at. Would you please help your child prepare for Sunday school next week by talking about these three questions, and then we're going to reinforce what you share with them next week at church. And it, it set in motion. It's just a super simple thing, right? But mm -hmm. parents first, church second. Parents first, church second. We've got to equip the home. Wow, that, that's actually remarkable and uh, something I might have to put into practice in my own church. Uh, I really appreciate that because there is a, a mindset, it's called the fusion of responsibility, right? As long as somebody is picking up the slack, I don't have to. I think this affects men and fathers a little bit more than it affects mothers because mo mothers are a little more involved. But the reality is if we think somebody else is doing something uh, that we don't have to do, that takes that off of our plate. We can rest a little bit on our heels, and that's not a good place to be. 
No, you're actually getting into something that that I spend quite a bit of time in visionary church talking about, mm-hmm. and I call it the lost doctrine of jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. And I know that's you know fancy word, the lost doctrine of jurisdiction. You talked about, I think you used the word a fusion of kind of muddying responsibilities. And, and I believe the Bible gives instructions to individuals, families, churches, and governments. Like these are institutions God created, right? Individuals, families, churches, and governments. And, and if the wrong institution tries to do the, the uh, something else that one of the other institutions is called to do, things get really messed up. For instance, I had a parent tell me, we were talking about teaching your kids about sexuality. And they said, you know what? I really don't think I need to have those conversations because they're going to talk about that in the assemblies at school. Mm. And I'm like, all right. So the government now is taking over moral instruction related to sexuality for our children. How's that going? Okay. Now you you lock yourself in a room with the Bible and you say, okay, well, we know God wants children to be taught, right? Biblical, righteous, holy sexuality. Well, who's supposed to do it? Well, in the Bible, it says parents and churches are supposed to do it, not governments. Or, and again, this is not really a, a, well, it is a family issue. You think about um, taking care of parents in their old age, right? Which jurisdictions are responsible to do that? Well, again, families and churches as the backup, right? Nothing in scripture that says that governments should take money from people, right? And take care of the aged, our seniors. So ever since that happened, right? What's happening with social security? It's going bankrupt keeping people in poverty. And then folks in my generation, right, with older parents, well, I don't have to think about that. Mm -hmm. Not my job. When in fact, if I'm reading my Bible right, 1 Timothy 5, I think it is my job Mm -hmm. if if that need arises. We've been talking with Dr. Rob Reno, who's the founder of Visionary Family Ministries. You can find out more information about his work and his ministries, as well as his latest book called Visionary Church, How Your Church Can Strengthen Families by giving us a call. Give us a call. We'll tell you all of the information you need to know. It's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com. I want to mention that this weekend, Saturday, May 14th, we're going to have a special conference with Dr. Ted Tripp and his wife Margie, as well as a Christian psychologist, Dr. James Manganello, to talk about how to train up a child. It's our theme verse for this month here in Proverbs, but it also helps us to frame what we are doing to pass on our faith to the next generation. In this message from Dr. Derek Thomas, we'll talk about how a mother plays a a crucial and central role in instructing the hearts and minds of her children. If you want to find out more information about the conference this weekend, head over to our website at songtime.com or give us a call, 508-362-7070. In this message now, Dr. Derek Thomas gives us some wisdom and some instruction, much of which we learned from our mothers. With Remembering Mother's Day this past Sunday, this is a great message and a great reminder to get into a proverb a day in May. Here is Derek Thomas. The family is God's design. It is God's plan. We need to remind ourselves of that today on this Mother's Day. That's the first thing. This proverb recognizes family. The second thing I want to see in this proverb is that it says a mother's instruction is to be heeded. A mother's instruction is to be heeded. Now, the proverb also, to be fair, says a father's instruction is to be heeded, and, and, uh, but this is Mother's Day. 
It's actually unusual. Uh, in the ancient Near East, in the time in which uh, Solomon uh, wrote these proverbs, collected these proverbs, many of them perhaps had a history before Solomon, and he collected them together. And uh, it's uh, somewhat unusual in the ancient uh, Near East to single out mothers, women, in this fashion. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. If you go back a verse to verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Same word. So, verse 8 is picking up a word that's already been used at the end of verse 7 for instruction. And it's a general word, a word that is often associated in Scripture with the idea of discipline. Instruction that involves the enforcement of discipline with that instruction. And then it goes on, and forsake not your mother's teaching. This is the word Torah. And Torah can sometimes uh, be a reference to the first five books of the Old Testament, and Torah can sometimes be a reference specifically to the Ten Commandments of Moses, and sometimes Torah can be the general ethical moral teaching of Scripture. Well, isn't that interesting? I wasn't raised in a Christian home, and so Bible verses were not something I was familiar with as a boy or as a teenager, but I was very familiar with moral teaching. And I can still, to this day, uh, remember some of the things that my mother, and if you're watching, she's um, 89 years old, and uh, this is not Mother's Day in Britain. Uh, that's back in March, so she, she, you, you, may, you may be listening. Happy Mother's Day. Happy American Mother's Day. <laughs> I still remember some of the things my mother said to me as a, as a boy. Uh, they were those uh, Judeo-Christian principles that society at least in the 50s and 60s, um, believed and held to. Uh, you are to show respect to your elders. It was a, a rule. Woe betide you if you did not. It was wrong, very, very wrong, to steal apples from your neighbor's orchard, which I did many times, <laughs> and suffered the consequences. She taught me something that I still remember to this day, that it was better to save and wait for something, and then appreciate it, than to be given it straight away. It was a principle. It was Torah for her. My son and daughter, but the book of Proverbs is written to a son. Solomon's writing to his son, but daughters too, perhaps daughters especially. My son, do not forsake your mother's teaching, your mother's Torah. Today's proverb of the day comes from chapter 10. As we look at uh, these chapters unfolding, we're starting to get into what is most commonly known about the book of Proverbs, these, these kind of one-off statements, these one-off phrases. And this is one of my favorites as we look at Proverbs chapter 10. Verse 12 said that hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Now, I grew up with two older sisters and when I was 15, a little sister. So with three girls in the house growing up, it was quite tumultuous. I mean, it was the only boy. And as a result, I feel like I was kind of singled out sometimes. And I would get so angry with my sisters, especially if I felt like they had done something against me, that they had hurt me in some way, that I would go to my mom and I would tell my mom that I wanted them to be punished. And one of the things that I think is one of the most valuable lessons I learned from my mom in those formative years is when she would look at me with tears in her eyes 
and say, I wish that you understood uh, grace and love and, uh, and didn't want punishment, but could understand how to show compassion to those who hurt you. Uh, that instruction from my mother has stayed with me all of these years, and and it really does capture the heart of this proverb, doesn't it? That hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. It, it, it is true, when you are angry at somebody, it, it blinds you. Your anger can blind you from seeing why the person is hurting you. I, I've said this more times than I can count, especially in counseling as a pastor, that, that hurt people hurt people. And a lot of the reason why people act in anger and act in frustration is because they themselves have been hurt. But when we realize that that people are broken, people are sinners, people fall short of the glory of God, and we are just as guilty as anyone else, and we have offended God more than anyone could ever offend us, then we can take the beam out of our own eye and see clearly uh, how to help our neighbor with this speck in their eye. Because love covers all offenses. Thank goodness for the grace of God and his love for us that he gave us his son to die in our place, to truly cover our offenses, not to just look the other way, but to truly forgive us of our sins so that we can be made right with God. The book of Proverbs and the gospel, they go hand in hand, don't they? I hope that this encourages you and I I hope that you are following along with us in this series, A Proverb a Day in May. Write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call, 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com, and while you're there, be sure to register for our conference coming up this weekend, Saturday, May 14th, right here on Cape Cod. Dr. Ted Tripp and his wife, Margie, will be coming to talk about how to shepherd the heart of a child. And Dr. James Manganello will be talking about mental health issues facing our children, adolescents. You can register online by visiting our website again at songtime.com or give us a call 508-362-7070. You can also check us out on our social media pages, but don't forget to tune in again tomorrow. We'll continue our study as we're looking at the roles that mothers play in instructing us and a little wit and wisdom from Dr. Derek Thomas. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. Young men and women, if you don't respect your mothers, you are dead meat. Coming up on the next Songtime broadcast, Derek Thomas reminds us of the wisdom that we glean from our mothers as we continue our study in Proverbs. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it.